The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Laura Sinclair. And I'm your advocate host, Valerie Jones. Thank you, Valerie. I am so glad to talk to you as we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy every two weeks. I can't wait to have our discussion today. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. So today, Valerie, it is going to be so awesome. Um, We are hosting Regina Cheney from Housing Opportunities. Yay! (laughs) Yay! Yeah, Housing Opportunities Made Equal. I know you and I have had some really excited discussions to welcome our special guest today. And yeah, yeah, I know I I love this organization. Can't wait to hear more. And I know you've expressed the same when we've chatted about it. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Cannot wait. Yeah. So we have a lot to come this episode and um, stay tuned. But before we jump in, let's check out Disability in the News. Set to roll out new updates to make their devices user friendly for people with disabilities. iPads will start supporting iTrack and hardware to allow users to control their devices with their eyes. There will also be new background sound options to help individuals stay focused and calm by masking unwanted external noises. Apple is also going to expand the control system on phones and iPads to be controlled by sounds like a click, pop, or ee sound so that those who are non-verbal or have limited mobility can control their devices. Screen readers will allow users to explore objects within images. Apple watches will be more sensitive to vessel movement to give people with wind differences the ability to control their devices without having to touch them. A new service called Sound Time is launching to allow customers to communicate with Apple support and retail representatives through a net and sign language. These updates will be rolling out later this year. Regina Cheney is joining us here today from Housing Opportunities Made Equal, or HOME. And HOME has an amazing reputation within our community for really helping folks out and making a big difference. Today, we'll be focusing on what HOME does to help people with disabilities about housing. So Regina, thank you so much for coming. And first things first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what HOME does? Well, um, again, my name is Regina Cheney. I am the um, Community Engagement and Outreach Specialist for HOME. I've been at HOME for 35 years, um, and I, I'm excited that we're 
celebrating our 50th year anniversary uh, in 2021. Um, Home is a private nonprofit organization. Uh, We are fair housing focused um, and we provide comprehensive housing services. Um, Our fair housing outreach, education and enforcement, um, housing policy and research work and our foreclosure services are all statewide. Um, Other programs are restricted to um, the Richmond area and surrounding counties. And those programs include a home ownership program, which assists families who um, are looking to be first time home buyers. And a first time home buyer is actually defined as a person who has not owned a home in three years. Um, We provide down payment and closing cost assistance and housing counseling. We also have a mobility program, which uh, is a program where housing counselors help families who have housing choice vouchers find housing in low poverty areas. And of course we have our eviction diversion program, which provides housing counseling and financial assistance to families to avoid eviction. Um, And again, those, those three programs are restricted to Richmond and surrounding counties. And when I say surrounding counties with our DPA program, down payment assistance, it's actually Richmond, Henrico, Chesterfield, Hanover, Goochland, and New Kent. So it's a little more than surrounding counties, you know, but those, um, that's where we stop our service. Oh, thank you for that information. Uh, it's very informative. Um, so what I would like to, knew, to know is, uh, what are some um, common barriers people with disabilities face when it comes to housing? Well, first I would say that over 50% uh, or 50, yeah, a little over 50% of our complaints, our fair housing complaints are uh, from persons with disabilities. And actually that's not just with home, that's a national trend. And most of that um, is the majority of those cases are related to ESAs or service animals, ESAs being uh, emotional support animals. The other cases are Uh, related to um, reasonable accommodation issues, such as um, late fees that people um, tend to get behind with their rent because of accumulating late fees, because their uh, maybe disability benefits come, don't come between the first and the third, and it comes some other time in the month. And people just aren't aware that they can actually change their due date by requesting a reasonable accommodation. So we do see that. Um, The other uh, things that we see are um, resistance sometimes from landlords to install uh, ramps of some sort um, to uh, another one I saw commonly when I worked on the fair housing team was the resistance of removing carpet and either so that the person would have hardwood floors or could install hardwood floors if they now have a wheelchair or a rule later. So that's um, what we see often. <clears throat> so it sounds like a lot of the challenges that you and the people who come to you and you know, in, in a lot of senses, the folks who run 
various kinds of housing can do with accommodations and barriers that may not even have obvious solutions to anyone involved um, or the person who has the disability knows what they need, but it might be something no one has encountered before in their rental experience. So how do you encourage people to know what they can or cannot ask for? And what do you think are some important things for people to know about their housing rights um, just as a means of understanding when something has gone wrong and what they can do about it? Well, first of all, uh, people need to um, learn more about their rights in general. Uh, Housing rights, their fair housing rights, and particularly those um, that um, for persons with disabilities. Certainly um, the reasonable accommodation, reasonable modification, and design and constructions are two extra um, protections for persons with disabilities. Um, and I would say that if the, the whole point of having these extra protections is to allow a person with a disability to enjoy their housing unit and get full enjoyment of it as a person who does not have a disability would have the opportunity to do. I would say if someone wants something to help their unit or their living quarters be more comfortable, then they should um, certainly, they certainly can call home and ask for assistance you know, so that we can help them either draft a letter um, and help them to prepare for, to approach that particular landlord or housing provider to request what they need. Oh, thank you for that information, Regina. Um, sorry, once again, informative. I'm so enjoying this information that you're providing. Um, but could you tell me, um, how did HOME become involved in uh, disability work? Well, actually, as a fair housing organization, of course, HOME staff works to enforce and advocate equal housing rights for all people. Um, and this includes, of course, um, those uh, rights to protecting persons with disability. And uh, we've been around since, I said, 1971. And in 1988, the Fair Housing Act was amended to include disability as a protected class. So that is how basically we became more involved. And of course, disability is defined as a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities. So um, again, I say the extra protections are there to remove barriers to allow a person with a disability um, the full enjoyment of their dwelling, the same as a person who does not have a disability. So that's kind of how we got involved. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Home has been around for quite some time doing so much work. And if there are a lot of folks who want to access your services, are there different ways that people who have disabilities would need to contact you or apply for help? Or is the process same for all individuals who want to work with home? Like, What kinds of requirements might you have that could be different or different information do you need for people with disabilities versus people without to get some help? Well, first of all, um, we're here to um, put forth a sincere effort to help anyone who calls us with any housing issue, okay? Um, Now with 
regards to a person with a disability, it may be how they contact us. And certainly our website is, is a great, great source. Um, you can contact us via um, just drop down the tab to say every service we provide, I would say, has a form that you can actually request um, assistance from us online. Um, you can give us basic information such as your name and your number and say, please contact me, your name, your number, and maybe a little bit about what issue you're having, please contact me. Um, we also certainly um, have the, we use the Virginia Relay 711, which is free. Um, it's a free public service that connects people who are deaf, hard of hearing, deaf, blind, or have speech disability um, to standard telephone users. Um, of course, that service is available 24 seven. Um, we also, over the years, of course, uh, we have moved a couple of times, but we're also very conscious of, you know, people coming into the office. So making our building always making it access accessible to someone who wants to stop by. But I would say to either use our website or give us a call. Um, the number 804-354-0641 is our number. The website is www homeofva.org. And when you submit your request, so if you call in, you should receive a call within 24 hours, no later than 48 hours later. Okay, so from beginning to end, how long does the process normally take? Um, and can you explain this process? You don't mind. As far as providing services, um, I would say that it all depends on what you need, uh, particularly when uh, with regards to fair housing. Now, with a fair housing um, complaint, first of all, we determine um, if the complaint meets fair housing elements, meaning is the is there the housing situation something that's covered by the Fair Housing Act. Um, was this person denied something based on their protected class? If in fact, you know, it, it was a discriminatory action. Um, there is a fine line between housing discrimination and landlord-tenant issues. Um, so that's why it's important that people call us and talk to us about specifically what happened. So it really all depends. Um, it could be something where someone calls in and it's a simple answer. Um, other than that, it could take, I would say some cases, and I've had some cases where uh, when I worked on the fair housing team, from intake to preparing a complaint, to filing a complaint, to having that settled, could, that can take anywhere from six months to two years, depending on the situation. Now, I know that sounds like a long time, but when you have been injured or if you have been denied housing or um, access to housing, um, your, to be comfortable in your house, such as a denial of a reasonable accommodation, if that is affecting how you enjoy your unit, you know, six months, a year, 
it's really not too long if you can come out of this with what you want. Now that can be really difficult for people. Um, the families that I've worked with, it's been a struggle because oftentimes people are looking for a quick fix, but, and the other issue is the frustration throughout that process of filing a complaint. Because of course, when you file a complaint and you talk about it, you list it, you're reliving this thing over and over and over and over again. Um, but our counselors, um, but the fair housing team, you know, we're your advocate and we're there with you for the long haul um, to help you through this process. So it really all depends on what the situation is. Okay, thank you. Um, so a uh, quick follow-up to that is, uh, what do you have to do to qualify for housing? Now, when you say qualify for housing, we don't actually provide housing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, for any housing, um, basic qualifications should be uh, the ability to pay um, and credit is generally what most housing providers are looking at. Now, what we're also looking at at home, which is, um, it's a serious issue. It's not a protected class at this point, but working with people who have criminal histories. Um, so as far as how do you qualify to work with home, you just need to have a need, okay? As far as how you qualify for housing, it's based on whatever the housing providers asking, which should generally just be credit and um, the ability to pay. And of course, like I said, with um, people who have criminal histories, sometimes there's a, a criminal history policy that you must, um, you know, meet those standards. Okay, thank you for clarifying that for me. So it sounds like the work that you do is pretty broad and you also focus on some specific issues that really need support. I'm wondering if there are ways that you help people who might be in crisis. So maybe if someone has faced, you know, a really serious damage to their home as a result of unfair housing, or if someone was in unsafe conditions that weren't taken care of, that's led to some kind of, you know, destruction to the property or they can't inhabit it. And it's, you know, it's a really abrupt thing. Do you have ways to help people who go through crisis events where they need immediate support? Well, now the immediate support in a situation like that, I would say, number one, we do our, we do our best to keep our resource list up to date, okay? So say for instance, someone is having a housing issue that um, where there is, um, there's a problem with the unit and it is a health or safety issue. Um, then that is something that we help them walk through as far, cause that's a landlord tenant issue. Uh, we assist them in, in providing basically information on how to file a tenant's assertion because if you're in a unit and you need to, you need something done quickly um, where it is um, causing some issues for you to be, feel safe in your home, then either the landlord needs to take care of that immediately, or like I said, filing a tenant's assertion. We work very closely with Virginia Legal Aid and uh, Virginia Poverty Law Center. Um, and, and other legal teams where we can also 
reach out to them and ask them for assistance to help the client and help us work through that situation. So, Regina, can you tell us about your work at Better Housing Coalition? Well, actually, I'm on the board uh, of Better Housing Coalition. Um, I've been on the board for some time now. I really can't remember. I think probably five, six years. Right now, um, my focus has been on that particular board, the property management team. So I work with them, um, you know, to um, do the best that they can, which they do a great job at providing um, affordable housing to families in the Richmond metropolitan area. That's pretty cool. It's good to know that there's a powerhouse group like that that can really bring all the organizations together to have that big wide umbrella to provide support. Um, you know, as we've gone through the pandemic, I think that there has been definitely a shift in what kinds of accommodations people might need. You know, housing has big has been a big issue, um, especially with confusing changes to you know, eviction law and whether or not you have to pay your rent or utilities. Um, and sometimes, you know, people with disability can have really visible disability where it might seem kind of clear, like maybe you need access to a different type of entryway to your home, but COVID is um, invisible in a lot of ways. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you could tell us a little bit about invisible disabilities, um, either as relates to COVID or just in general, people who might have needs that aren't apparent. What do you do to help people who might have invisible disabilities and what kinds of accommodations might they look for? Well, you know, when you say invisible, um, the first thing that comes to mind is um, when someone has an issue and they have notified the housing provider of this issue and the housing provider does not respond in a timely manner. You know, and sometimes people think that, well, they're working on it. They're gonna get back to me and they're not hearing anything. To me, that, that is what comes to mind when you say invisible, um, which is why it's, why it's so important that when you request something or you need something uh, with regards to your housing and you have made that request to your housing provider that even verbal, because you don't have to make a reasonable accommodation or a reasonable modification or a general request in writing, but it's always helpful to do that. And when you do that, you ask for a time frame. please respond to me within, you know, five to seven days or by X date so that, you know, if you don't get a response, then you know what, you know, then there's the next step. Then there's, you know, um, plan B. What do we do next? With regards to COVID, actually, I was on a call last week with um, some fair housing advocates from across the country. And one of the guest speakers um, was uh, Janine Warden. She's the Associate uh, General Counsel with HUD. And uh, we talked about a little bit about COVID and how um, its effect on you know, um, people in general, but particularly people with disabilities. And it's my understanding based on what she was saying that HUD is actually working on guidance for 
relating to um, COVID and housing issues and particularly for those with disabilities. So I'm looking forward to that, to tell you the truth. I am definitely looking forward to that. So just real quick, I wanna ask you one more question about uh -huh. what kinds of issues you've seen as relates to COVID because I, this is really unprecedented and we've had to come up with a lot of creative solutions to support people who have new types of accommodations. What kinds of issues have you heard about from people who may be vulnerable populations or want to be, you know, separated from people. So maybe visitors to their home or even maintenance workers, or if they share a space with other tenants, like an apartment building and they don't feel safe. Um, I know in our building, for example, we have signs up that say, please don't ride the elevator if you're not in the same household to keep right. social distancing. So what, have you seen issues where people don't feel like they're being protected in that space to, you know, as you put it, fully enjoy it and feel comfortable? Well, the few that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I have seen or heard from our um, eviction diversion team and from our fair housing team would be um, an example of what you uh, mentioned with regards to um, maintenance, a maintenance repair, where someone is uncomfortable with maintenance coming in um, and they want you know, them to do something in a particular way. Um, and that definitely has been a reasonable accommodation request, which some people you know, didn't know that they could do. They thought that you know, this, this is a landlord-tenant issue. Um, I'm having this problem, my landlord. No, that's a fair housing issue. Uh, when you have made that request um, and you explain why you need what you need or why you're asking for the specific manner in which this particular maintenance issue might be handled and the housing provider is refusing to do that, then that's definitely um, a reasonable accommodation request. That's how I would handle it. Okay, so... Um, can you tell us uh, why HOME was founded and how did you discover um, how to identify specific needs to address? Well, actually HOME was founded because uh, it was a small group of people in Richmond who um, recognized and really were outraged um, that families in the Richmond area did not have equal access to housing. Um, because of some discriminatory actions that were just too casual and um, too acceptable at that time. Um, so they decided to do something to combat this illegal and morally wrong housing practice. Um, and that's basically how HOME was founded. Um, and I'd like to say that, you know, over the years, we've had some many victories, um, some that are well-known and that have been, you know, set precedent and provided a national impact, in fact. But um, basically, it was a small group of people recognizing a problem and addressing it, which is our basic background. And kudos to them for doing that. Right, exactly, exactly. I'm excited. You know, I'd like to share some, um, actually, you can go on our website and you look at our fair housing, you, you, the fair housing drop down, mm -hmm. and you look at a couple of videos. Um, one um, that talks about the history of home, 
the other that talks about organizational standing and why that's so important and how Holmes case actually, um, that was one of the national impacts has set a precedent across the country. And then we have one on redlining um, and a few others, but most of them are about maybe five to seven minutes long. So they are relatively short, but very, very powerful and impactful. Okay, definitely, definitely will. Yeah, I think, um, weren't you all in the news recently for helping someone out um, who had a disability and was being discriminated against? I heard about a case in Richmond where a woman had um, a situation where a, a person who rents didn't want to rent to someone with a disability. And I would imagine that's something that you all run into frequently. Well, yes, um, actually, I mean, we've had quite a few cases, but I can tell you some of the worst cases I've seen when I was on the fair housing team, if I can share that a little bit of that. Um, I was working with a lady who lives in a senior housing community and it was an emotional support animal issue. Uh, she had made a request um, to, I think she had, she had one cat and she wanted another one. I think her brother passed away or something, but anyway, um, both of these cats, she had documentation to prove that, you know, she was allowed to have them. Um, anyway, so I was talking to her and walking her through the complaint process, right? This is at the very beginning. And so the land, the property manager who this lady, she had already talked to the property manager about um, their previous discussions, which obviously they didn't get along at this point. And so the tenant said to the property manager, I really would prefer that my son be present when we have future conversations. And she made that very clear. I am on the phone with this tenant, my client at the time, explained to her the process and she became very upset. And I asked her, I said, what is that noise? And she said, that is the property manager banging on my door. And I was like, what does she want? She's like, she, she wants to talk. And I've already told her. And this, this lady was banging so hard and yelling. I could hear her on the phone. And so I asked um, my client, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I want you to go to the door. I want you to give the property manager your phone. And I want to speak to her. And so she did. And I told the property manager that um, I was, you know, who I was. I was trying to have a conversation. It's my understanding that she has informed you that she wants her son present. And if you don't leave, I am going to call the police. And please give her her phone back. And she did. And I mean, it was simple as that, but what was the point in taking this lady through this? And after that particular incident, you know, and it took me a while just talking to her to try to calm her down, which finally she, you know, became calm. But the day after, she actually went into the hospital and was there for a couple of days because of all of what had happened. Mm. You know, um, I mean, it was just so unnecessary. I'm, I was just amazed. One of the other things that come to mind is another ESA case, uh, emotional support animal, where the landlord became angry that the tenant had filed a complaint. And so 
I think the tenant might've been late on the rent or something. And the landlord took them to court for two months of rent unpaid. Well, the tenant had proof that they had actually paid that month and they were charging them for the next month that hadn't even come. And um, it was just the, the, you know, the anxiety for this particular person uh, was just so high because in preparing for court, getting all of her documentation together, the rudeness of this um, landlord and the fact that she had to get family to take off work, to go with her to court. It was such an inconvenience. And I'm thinking, you know, why? It's just amazing to me um, how people are treated so unnecessarily. Uh, so those, those are some of the, the cases that come to mind to me that, that just, it just bothers me. <laughs> Thank you for those, um, for sharing those with us. Um, very, um, uh, people go through such difficulties. Don't they? Uh, yes. Um, so um, something I would like to know is, um, are there any policies that are put in place to protect uh, Virginians with uh, disabilities? Well, the two main um, policies are in place or um, governing arms, I guess you would say, would be certainly the Fair Housing Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act, those two in particular. You know, Regina, that story that you told about, you know, the, the folks who are the ones who are inconvenienced standing up for their rights, um, mm -hmm. it's so troubling to hear that the burden ends up being on the people who are being victimized time and time again, and that yeah. If you don't have the resources, even if you know your rights, and you may not have the resources to do the right thing. Um, you know, what can someone do if maybe they, they know that their rights have been violated, but they can't address it at the time? Um, maybe they dealt with a landlord, you know, like, like the woman pounding at the door. Maybe they experienced mm -hmm. that situation. They moved just to get out of it because it's not sustainable to live like that. And now... Um, maybe a couple months has passed and they've been able to go back to work, get some money, and they know their rights were violated. Is there any way for people to seek some kind of um, justice or re recourse for things that have happened in the past that now they can take on? Oh, absolutely. That's why you call home, you know, for us to help you through that process. Now, you made a good point. Say, for instance, there was something happening and um, the person felt, that tenant felt like, I can't stay here any longer. Um, I need to get out of here. And they left, okay? You can still file a fair housing complaint even after you've left that situation. As long as you file within a year, okay? Um, and even if something is going on that it's an ongoing issue, it is the time frame. Um, is one year from the date of the last action, okay? So even if it was June um, 2020 and it's an issue that has been going on for the last nine months and you just decided to file a fair housing complaint, the time starts when, you, when that last action occurred. And even when you file the complaint, if things are still happening or, you know, this issue is still going on, you know, um, it hasn't stopped. So it's a year from whenever it stopped. 
okay? Um, but again, even if a person has moved out of that particular housing situation onto somewhere else, yes, they can still file as long as within that one year time frame. And it's so important that when things happen to people that they feel uncomfortable about, it is important to um, jot things down because you know through frustration, through anxiety, you forget the details. So to sit back and think about when this happened, what was said, um, if it's not an email, it was just verbal, you can write it down, that's okay. And it doesn't have to be typed or anything. It could be on anything that you can find paper, you know, to write it on. But just keep the details. Remember who you talked to and what happened and when it happened. And let us help you through that process. That was so much information, so much information. And I greatly appreciate you providing this for our listeners. Um, so can you, uh, again, tell them where they can go to um, find out more information on your website? Absolutely. <laughs> Our website is www.homeofva.org, homeofva.org. And our telephone number, 804-354-0641. Thank you for that information. Absolutely. Regina, I had one quick question that, you know, kind of, I think impacts the community at large, but especially is heightened for people who face barriers. Um, as things continue to change in our economy and, you know, there's a widening gap of lower and high income folks, we know that our region, the Richmond region has even been used as a, a particular example of housing issues. And we know that housing has become unaffordable for a lot of people and that mm -hmm. people are having to relocate from neighborhoods where they have been raised and grown, especially as gentrification increases, private renters seem to be disappearing as bigger companies eat them up. So, you know, are there things that people can do to stand up against unaffordable housing, um, you know, so that shelter can be a right that's available to everyone. You know, as, as a community, we've seen a lot of activism, you know, people becoming more interested in vocalizing resistance to, you know, unfair practice. Is there something that anyone can do, not just people with disabilities, but anyone to push back against that problem to try to advocate for accessible housing for all? Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, right. Uh, housing affordability is a big issue for just about any and everybody now, if you're not making six figures. Um, I would say definitely go to our website and voice your opinion. You go to our policy and research tab. I am frustrated about XYZ. I would like so and so, you know, so that when we begin to advocate and work with other groups to um, address these issues, you can be notified when there are housing summits, when there's discussion, you know, maybe even when we go to doing the General Assembly, we're always looking for people who want, who feel comfortable in speaking, and we actually assist you with that. I mean, to have your voice heard. But I would say definitely go to our website and just give us your opinion say what you're frustrated about because gathering all that information
helps us to advocate for, for everyone. Thank you so much. That, um, that's so informative to help the community to understand that there are steps that they can take and that it may be difficult to deal with a systemic problem, but you know, as, as a group, we can support each other through all different kinds of barriers. And um, mm -hmm. you all are just doing incredible work. You know, Valerie said it best. Um, we, we couldn't be more appreciative of the time that you've taken to throw out so much information. Um, this time has flown by and I know I'll be taking it, it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So we could we could probably talk about this all day. And uh, the good thing is you've shared a way for people to contact you um, so they can keep that discussion going. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And if somebody, you know, um, is not sure which way to go, my name is Regina. You just call the number 804-354-0641 or go to the website and say, have Regina call me, you know, and, you know, and I'll make sure you, that you're put in the right place. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Right. Call Regina, call Regina. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. We've enjoyed having you. Um, oh, just, thank you. Yeah, I, I, it was a pleasure being here. I love sharing information and, you know, I want with people, if you learn something today, um, share it, you know, have the conversation with someone else because you never know who's go what people are going through, you know, and sometimes it's just kind of having the conversation and talking about what you've heard that prompts someone to share um, maybe something that they, they're dealing with or that they know someone else is dealing with. So I would say share the information. Once again, thank you so much. I can, I can say this a thousand times. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You're so welcome. <laughs> and now a DLCV highlight. DLCV is holding a client assistance program clinic from June 10th from 9 to 3. There are only five stops available and sign-ups are first and face saved. If you are needing to know how to access services from the Department of Aging and Rehabilitative Services, Department for Blind and Vision Impaired, or your local Center for Independent Living, or you are currently receiving services and have questions about your services, this clinic is for you. Find out more at www.dlcv.org and register today. Ooh, it was so good to hear from Regina. I am quite sure that a lot of individuals out there will be going to the home website to find out more information about how home can assist them. Yeah, that, um, you know, I, I know we've said a couple times that we could have talked to Regina all day about all the work that they've done. I mean, home is really just helping our community in so many ways that we knew they were great. We learned so much today, and I'm sure all of our listeners in one way or another um, could learn something from them or get some really great help. Yes, I have to agree with that. Mm -hmm. Well, you are just the best co-host ever, Valerie. Thank you. 
<laughs> uh, thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your fine podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. And of course, we always love a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org. You can also follow us on Twitter with the handle DisabilityLawVA. So share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Valerie Jones. And I'm Laura Sinclair. This has been Rights Here, Rights Now. Mm -hmm.